Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, it is Wednesday, two days of work for me, feeling good about it. <laughs> it's a good start to the new year. So I spent a little time driving, seeking something this morning. I don't want to say what I was looking for just yet, but I okay. was out on the road and I encountered a massive traffic backup. And so I'm listening Ooh. to Adam and Jordana. I'm like, gosh, I wonder what's going on. It was a road crew, I think near Monticello, and they were, like, fixing the cable barrier in the middle of the road. Okay. But because Minnesotans insist on not zipper merging, (laughs) everyone, as soon as they saw the MnDOT truck with, like, the, you know, the move over to the right lane arrow, people immediately got over. We had to be... At least half a mile from the merge point, and the left lane was absolutely empty. Why do you think we do that? It's it's kind of weird. Minnesotans love to get in a line. We love it. <laughs> I see this at, like, food events, like when Minnesota Monthly does a food event. Yeah. People refuse to, like, swarm around a table. We're polite. We just <laughs> get in line. We are polite. Uh and there was a, a blocker. You know, you need a blocker. Yes. And so someone was blocking a truck. It was a semi-truck. So like, all right. Wow. I guess. Just so <laughs> weird. And it was nothing. It was just, we had, it was probably a mile back up. Yeah. Just north of Rogers for a couple of guys fixing the, I'm, now you want to give them room, right? You have to close the lane. I'm not saying that, but I wish that people would. Use the available road. Do you think maybe we're not clear on how to zipper merge? Do we need, Do we all need a big lesson from no, somebody? No, I think people just reject the idea of it. Mm. <laughs> and and indeed, so I, I think people zipper merge in the wrong situation. So the right situation to zipper merge is this, where you're closing a lane, you have a merge point, and yes. zipper merge. Right. The wrong way to zipper merge is like the 394... Uh, that turns into 94, into Minneapolis and St. Paul, Yeah, where people try to come up to the front and cut in line. Yeah. That's cutting, not zipper merging. Yeah. You're being a jerk if you're doing that. In a construction zone, zipper merge. Yes. I don't know. What are you going to do? What did I do? Get in line. You should be the Minnesota Zipper Merge Commissioner for 2024, (laughs) along with your New Year's Eve hosting party of the ball drop somewhere th- in downtown Minneapolis. I think we're coming up with a lot of good a lot of good ideas mm-hmm. here. Um which by the way it's weird to just like go drive to Monticello seeking but I found what I was looking what for. What you, what what has taken it's you to way, Monticello? Man, I, Must be a surprise. We can tell you off the air. It's a bit of a surprise. Okay. Uh job listing for what sounds like a dream job. A lighthouse keeper in British Columbia. Mm. Sounds kind of like romantic, mm-hmm. right? Sounds like a, like a Hallmark movie. 
Yes. Like you're just living life in the lighthouse. You're watching the, the orcas and the white-sided dolphins, migrating birds. Pretty cool. But for one year in British Columbia, they have been trying to hire an assistant lightkeeper. Uh, the, the pay's not great. 50000 to $65,000 Canadian. Mm-hmm. So that's, wor- uh, you know. Worse than us. Worse than us right now. Uh, you do get housing. Do you live in the lighthouse? You do. Okay. There are a few downsides. Food is dropped off once a month by helicopter. <gasps> oh. No alcohol. Oh, so this is remote. This is not like Vancouver. This is remote. Internet is spotty. <gasps> You'll have to capture rainwater and distill it for drinking. As for the toilet, the regional vice president of Canadian Transportation Employees says it's complicated. Oh, come on. (laughs) So there's no plumbing, some kind of an outhouse situation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, my God. And they're they're wondering why they're not getting anybody applying for this? Goodness gracious. They could not pay me enough for this job. (laughs) <laughs> right? I, I could mean, do it for a month. For, <laughs> you have to work 10 to 12-hour shifts, seven days a week. Oh. Yeah. And is but, this, the, but the work is looking out a window. Uh, yeah. That is the work. Right. Is this a one-person setup? Like, you couldn't move your family into the lighthouse for a, a month if you wanted to try this job? Um, I believe you could. I don't know that there's enough room to bring a family, but I think you could bring a partner. Okay. That would be romantic for about a month. For about a month. Sure. Yeah. I would do it. Now, one of the one of the lighthouse keepers uh, used all of that time to write and publish five books. That's cool. <laughs> and she retired with 13 years of savings because what are you spending money on? Oh, my gosh. You know, something's got to be... Um, there would be a, a big difficulty in not having any contact with the outside world or people mm. and just being holed up in a lighthouse in a remote part of British Columbia. That's just not healthy yeah. for your mind. I don't know. Do we know anyone who might like a circumstance like that? Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I was out when the toilet became complicated. Yeah. That yeah. Was, that's, but, you know, if it was fully functioning indoor plumbing and not spotty internet, I, I absolutely. Sounding pretty oh. good. I mean, British Columbia is beautiful to begin with. Yeah. Right? Even in the remotest parts. Yeah. And I have zero problem just being by myself for long stretches for of time. For a long, long yeah, time no, like that. No problem mm. at all. Okay. No problem. I can shoot, you know, I'll shoot Jason an email once a year <laughs> or something like that. You know, it'll be fine. January. Have you heard of this? No. So first month of year, people, new, new year, new me, Right. Right. Some people are uh, coming up with resolutions for redoing their finances. Mm -hmm. Finance is the number one resolution, money stuff. Sure. Number two is fitness. Over the past six years, there is a new initiative called January, (laughs) an initiative challenging women to put down their razors. For the the legs and the pits? (laughs) That's right. Oh, I love it. The campaign has uh, an Instagram account, of course, 40,000 followers. (laughs) I'm doing this. Would you do this? (laughs) Yeah, I would do it. It's The Instagram page 
Features post, I'm looking at it now. <laughs> I am a woman and I have body hair. Full uh, hairy pits. Oh. Shaving is a choice, says another woman. Wow. Uh, I shaved today. I mean, just, you know, around. Yeah, I, I, can I see cleaned that. up. Uh-huh. I did a little cleaning up. Uh, I was thinking about the whole shaving thing, right? Because back when I was on TV, it was sort of a, a thing I would do to annoy my boss where I would grow a vacation beard. Yes. And then post a picture online asking people if I should keep it. I remember that, yes. Because the people always wanted me to keep it. Mm-hmm. And the boss did not. Mm-hmm. The boss wants consistency. Right. Because who cares? If I ever become a TV news director, I can guarantee you that I will give zero cares about whether or not somebody has a beard one day and not the next. What about guys on TV with long hair? Are we okay with that? Well, that seems to be sort of a new thing. You see more like network Fox News uh, 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 had like a Miami correspondent with long hair. That's cool. It was cool. He looked really, he looked Miami. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, why not? I think you need to be with kind of what the trends are and what the styles are. I do think that has been one of the good changes in in TV mm-hmm. news mm-hmm. that you have like they're not telling women like oh you have to wear your hair this way or right. that way like no just do you I do think sometimes like the the point is to focus attention on the story yeah and so if you are too distracting like there is a line there yeah but I don't know where the line is with today's generation <laughs> because if you question what they look, what they're wearing, or what they then that gets interpreted as like an attack on their persona. Right. Um, did I ever tell you that when I did TV in Duluth back in college, I was a part-time reporter and weather person on the weekends. Oh, I, the I didn't CBS, know you did the weather too. Yep, yeah, CBS affiliate up there. Okay. And there was somebody who actually—I I don't think we were emailing much back then—but there was somebody who called my news director and said that. My hair was distractingly high when I was doing the weather, that my bangs were just way too high up there that they couldn't even focus on what I was talking about. And, and did the boss agree with this or it was just passed along? It was for just your it was passed along for my information. And, that you know, that was back in the day when I had a perm. I had a big perm. Yeah. Even though I have natural curly hair, I still you for still some reason went up. into the perm situation. Yeah, my bangs were way too high for this viewer. People are crazy. <laughs> yeah, like who takes the time to like? I gotta. I am calling that news director and telling them that that <laughs> Laura on TV, her bangs are way too high. I'm doing it right now. I'm going back to TV today just for a guest spot. Oh, cool! I don't know when it's going to be on, but it's for a thing I wrote for Minnesota Monthly Magazine. Yeah, what's it about? It's the top seventy-five restaurant. In, mm. in the metro. Okay. Uh, so I made a list. 75 sounds like too many restaurants. It's a lot. But as you're writing it, and then as I was, you know, I wrote it, and then you're checking it and triple checking it, and you're like, oh, I forgot about this one. And mm-hmm. it's a, it's uh, for people who love going out to eat, sit down and write, start making a list of your favorite restaurants. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, it'd be, I bet it'd be hard to come up with 25. Nope. 
Yeah. You're like, oh, I, you know, I don't only want fancy pants restaurants. Yeah, so you many want, different categories. Yeah, you want the taco spot, and you right. want the ramen spot, and yep. the pizza joints, and you want Sushi. all of those things. Mm-hmm. So then it was 50, and I was like, eh, how about 75? I'll now, have to look 100's at this. too many, right? If well, it's 100, you're like, 100 well. Well, if you're doing 75, and, well, you know. I should have picked like a random number, like the top. If you say it's the top 72, then there people are like, oh, that was very intentional. Yes. <laughs> Those literally, there must be a real cutoff <laughs> after 72. I don't know. Pretty good. Laura, thank you. Joe Maurer, is he going to get into baseball's Hall of Fame? We'll talk about that. A college student's business idea, Minnesota college student, has gone to the big time. Dude's cashing in. Plus, the most on-time airline in North America and the on-time airport. We'll talk about it in the D-Rush Hour news headlines next. D-Rush Hour news headlines here on January 3rd. By the way, we'll be talking to St. Paul Fire Chief. In just about 10 minutes, I was very moved by his comments about some of the first responders at this house fire saving kids, pulling them out, and giving them a fighting chance. So look forward to that conversation in just a minute. All right, let's talk about Joe Maurer. Is he going to get into baseball's Hall of Fame? Oh, beautiful. Joe Maurer, man. The good times were so good, weren't they? Were they enough? Were they enough? First ballot Hall of Famer? Well, I don't. Very interesting article by Lavallee Neal, a column, I should say, in today's Star Tribune, talking about his ballot, where he said he will not reveal his ballot until the end of the column. Well, he didn't quite reveal the, the ballot. Now, our guy Dan Hayes from The Athletic yeah. shared the 10 players he voted for. Joe Maurer was one of them. Lavelle said he voted for seven players and laid out sort of his reasons why he does not reveal his votes until after the actual inductees into the Hall of Fame are revealed by the Hall of Fame itself. What do you, Dan, you are our chief baseball fan. Yeah. What do you think is, is the right way to do it? Well, I, would t- I tell you what, I didn't think before the voting began, that Joe was going to get on the first ballot. I thought he was going to get a healthy you know, share of votes. I didn't think he was going to get on the first ballot. But they've got like something in the neighborhood of like 20% of the ballots. Yep, uh, on this ballot tracker. Yeah, have been published publicly. Right. And he's at over 80% on those 20 ballots. Now, that doesn't mean that when the, rest, the other 80% of the ballots come in, there's not a significant number that drags that down below the 75% threshold. But, I mean, if it holds anywhere near at the pace he's at, he's going to get in. Which is mildly surprising to me. Yeah, it's super interesting. There is a thing called the Hall of Fame ballot tracker. This guy, Ryan uh, Thibodeau, operates that. Um, and so it's just very, very interesting. The Hall of Fame has made it so that you know the baseball writers that vote for the Hall, for Hall of Fame uh, induction are allowed to you know either po- share their, bub- their share ballot it or not. publicly or not. I kind of like that about baseball. All of the other sports kind of keep it under wrap. It's very mysterious. I like the transparency, but I kind of like how Lavelle does it, yes. right? which is to say he wants the Hall to have their moment I in terms agree. of announcing the inductees. Yep. And then everybody that wants to share their ballot can share their ballot. Because right now, what if Joe Maurer just, like, tanks with the rest of the voters? Like, that sort of sucks, right? Or like, you if, think you're in and then you're not. Or if enough ballots are made public— then he already knows, and the call isn't the call the surprise, isn't as fun. You know that it would normally be. 
I mean, they have a long way to go to yeah reveal all of the ballots. But anyway, about yeah, about a quarter have been revealed. Lavelle said he chooses to wait until January 23rd. But then at the end of the column, he did say that he voted for Joe. I think that's what he was saying there. Don't you? Yeah, I think so. I I would be very surprised if he didn't. Yeah. A college student's business idea stepped into the big time. Allie Kaplan, uh, the editor-in-chief at Twin Cities Business, writes about uh, this. What a great story. Park Pooler is a parking management app that was launched in 2019 by a University of Minnesota student. His name is Jackson Lefebvre. And so Lefebvre uh, won the Minnesota Cup, which is this uh, startup kind of competition for uh, innovations. He won the student division in 2019. He developed this app, and then he just sold it to this national parking services company in Nashville. So Park Pooler, it started as uh, Jackson saying, like, there's got to be a better way to, like, reserve a spot for a Gophers game. And so he originally was focused on, you know, how can people pre-reserve a spot for big sporting events? And then it became more of like a, a way of kind of doing this for regular parking lots. Anyway, he's 26. He's excited about earning a regular salary for the first time in his short career because the company hired him on as well. Uh, he also said he might replace his 2007 Chevy Impala or at least repair the dent from a run-in with a deer. A true Minnesota entrepreneur story right there. Uh, Delta, the most online airline in North America, and our airport was the most on-time airport in the world. Really, really happy for all of you. This aviation analytics platform, Sirium, announced that Delta was being honored with the Platinum Award, third year in a row for operational performance, minimal passenger disruption. I have a theory about this, and it's because Delta, in my view, makes their length of flight time so absurd that how could they not be on time? You're always like, oh, we're 20 minutes early. Yeah, because Delta lies on their schedule, so they seem like they're on time. That's my theory. Is it based in any research or facts? It is not. <laughs> Delta was number four globally by its on-time rankings, but Delta flies a ton of flights. The top three uh, all had about 300,000 flights during the year. Delta had 1.6 million. 85% of Delta flights were at the airport within 15 minutes of the scheduled arrival time. That's the D-Rush Hour news headlines here on CCO In minutes, the St. Paul Fire Chief talking about, really, his heroes. Heroes in the St. Paul Fire Department who gave a number of young people, a number of children, a fighting chance after an early morning house fire. We'll talk to Chief Butch Inks next on CCO. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Oftentimes, we don't stop and recognize the heroic actions that happen 
maybe it's because it's overwhelming. Maybe because we we don't know what to say. And I was struck today when St. Paul's fire chief, Butch Anks, uh, called his own firefighter heroic. Because it just, this image of a fire at 1.30 in the morning, neighbors screaming out that there are children inside that home, and the actions of, of, of this one firefighter, and really the whole crew of first responders, was just amazing. And uh, St. Paul's Chief Butch Anks, uh, nice enough on a very long day, uh, to join us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Chief, nice to talk to you. Thank you uh, for what you do, and thank you for what what your firefighters uh, did this morning. It it had to be uh, really a scary scene for them as they rolled up. Yeah, thank thank you, and thanks for having me on. Um, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, pretty pretty chaotic scene. Pretty um, yeah, unique uh, with seven people trapped in a in a fire and. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty, uh, can be overwhelming as you, as you mentioned, but, um, I'm so proud of the women and men that responded today and this morning and, and the work they did. Um, I couldn't be more proud as a fire chief today. There were, uh, six kids in the hospital right now and, uh, mom in the hospital, uh, critical condition. We, we don't know how this is going to end up, but what we do know is that those kids have a chance uh, because of the the crew that got there? You you had said earlier today they they were there in under five minutes. Yeah, actually, uh, the the first crew was there in under four minutes, and we had the other you know four to five rigs there in under five minutes, um, which is pretty impressive in itself uh, response times. Um, and it just uh, you know the quick response gave gave us an opportunity to do what we do, do our job, and and gave them an opportunity to be rescued and um, to get the treatment they need. The Piner Press reported that, you know, neighbors thought the youngest in the family was an infant or around one year old. The oldest is elementary school age. So pretty young kids in this house. What what you mentioned one firefighter uh, who saved a bunch of those kids. Describe kind of how that happened. So I, I made, you know, I typically make some phone calls to the folks that respond and just, just to see how they're doing and then just have them walk me through what they did, right? Walk, walk me through how the scene went for you specifically. And, and this particular firefighter began to tell me on how they, they arrived and, and went in and um, he began his search in, in the first bedroom and, and found a victim right away, brought the victim out and went back in, immediately back in to the same bedroom, um, which is another piece that, you know, oftentimes the responders will just go to the next bedroom, but mm-hmm. he went back into the same bedroom to make sure that was cleared. And he found another, he found another victim and brought him out, oh. brought that victim out. And they went back in for a third time to the same bedroom because the bedroom wasn't totally clear and found a third victim and, and came out. Um, and at that time, our, our medical personnel were working the other patients. So this firefighter had to, um, you know, carry this patient a little further away from the house to the next medic rig. Uh, he took his gear off and he started working the patient with the medics on scene. Um, and that, again, I, I, 
I've been doing this for 30 years, and I, and I don't use that word heroic uh, very rarely. But this this particular individual um, was extremely heroic on, on this call, along with you know I learned later that we had another firefighter who rescued two two of the victims. So um, it's just uh, the work they did in faced with such a chaotic um, incident. Um, I, again, couldn't be more proud of them. Right. It, hearing you talk about it just gives me chills because you look at, you know, and certainly when you're a firefighter, you go into sort of action mode when you respond. You are doing your job. You are clearing the room. But when you take that helmet off and have a moment to gather your own thoughts, I mean, pulling two kids out, pulling one kid out, but to pull three uh, children out of that house, uh it's 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 in it's amazing and it's intense. Yeah, the, the emotions are you know it's a, it's an it's a roller coaster, right? Yeah. Your your adrenaline's going. You're you're really trained and organized and equipped to do this, right? We when you get there to just go to work, and you do your job and you do it really well as they did today. Um, but then you, you reflect on what what you just did, and that brings a whole new rush of emotions. And and throughout the day, other emotions hit you, and and in the upcoming days, it's just processing all of that is just very. It, it's hard on our responders. It, it is, and and you know we do what we do because we want to help people, um, but you know we're human beings as well, and and it does impact us. And so, um, yeah, yeah. St. Paul's Fire Chief Butch Inks uh, with us talking about a uh, house fire overnight in St. Paul. Six children, uh, one adult in the hospital right now in regions. Uh, you know, how do you how do you take care of your firefighters, right, from that emotional level? Obviously, no, no one was physically injured. None of the firefighters were. But how do you tend, you know, and, and you've been doing this for 30 years, I imagine things have changed a bit as far as the awareness of understanding we do need to, to take care of the emotional side of it for firefighters, too. Yeah, very important to do that. Uh, and, and as you said, I've been doing this a long time, and things have changed over time. You know, 30 years ago, it was you never said anything. You just you just came back to work and went on the next run, and you you processed it however you did back then. Yeah. Um, but we've we've been very intentional on putting things in place to to make it known that you know as as responders, um, it's really okay to not be okay. It's it's okay to feel bad and, and feel those emotions, and and so we put in what we call our peer support group of people where we we have trained our own folks that our own responders can reach out to their own people for that support and, and resources they need. We have found over utilizing this system and this process, we get a lot of people um, engaging in that process as opposed to um, the more formalized processes that are available to us. How'd you guys get there so fast? Well, we, we, um, you know, the tones come in and our folks, we, we, we stop whatever we're doing. We get on the rig and we, we head that way. And, and so um, everybody responded from the fire station. The call, did and, the call come from in the house? Was that? Yeah, there was a call from the house um, and and unsure on who made the call. Yeah. But uh, in that dispatch, dispatched us immediately. And, and, you know, we, we went to work, right? We get on yeah. our rig and we start yeah. going there. And, and so, 
Yeah, we know. I mean, especially with a house like that and in the pain failing neighborhood, like a lot of those homes are old homes. So if a fire starts cooking, you know, every minute it's getting worse and worse and worse. Absolutely. Time is time is critical. Time is our, our friend and time is our enemy. Right. It's it's, uh, you know, fire doubles in size every minute. And for us to get out of the house quick, get out of the fire station quick and get get to the scene quick, it gives us an opportunity to do our job. And it gives us an opportunity to give give the victims that were rescued a chance to get the treatment they need. So, um, yeah, time is definitely the the key yeah. in our in our world. St. Paul Fire Chief Butch Inks with us. Is there any update on on how uh, the kids are doing or how mom is doing? No, all all seven are still in critical condition. Um, you know, we performed CPR on scene. Uh, transported the patients, uh, still in critical, um, appears to be a lot of um, issues related to smoke um, from the scene right now. Sure, sure. And the, the hour of the morning, you you assume that those kids were asleep when that fire started, at least. Yeah, yeah that's what, um, you know, you, you can draw that assumption um, pretty accurately there. Yeah. Uh, Chief, uh, before we let you go, uh, what what is the status of you know we talk a lot about policing in this community I know that firefighters uh, have been under more stress with medical calls as our population gets older more and more medical calls happening Where, how is St. Paul doing as far as staffing and kind of what what is it, it is relatively rare uh, that you have a house fire like this you guys are busy doing a lot of other calls during the rest of the time generally yeah, our staffing is, um, we're fully staffed. We're, we have a full complement of firefighters. Uh, we just graduated a class uh, last week. Um, and so we are, we are fully staffed. But, you know, our, our approach to responding is, is different than many others. And we're, we're very, we analyze data and we analyze where, where we can inject the best resources to, um, to, to address the biggest need. And so that is proven over time to help us be prepared for other runs that come in, specifically this house fire. Yeah. Well, great work today. We thank you every day and your firefighters, the men and women who are out there doing that work. Uh, and we, we just, we're thinking of that family, of course, but we're thinking of uh, the firefighter family too tonight. So thank you. No, I, I really appreciate you doing that and, and, and taking the time to call to, to let us talk, right? We, we do appreciate your support. And um, again, um, I couldn't be more thankful of the, the work that these folks did um, for the St. Paul Fire Department. Yeah. So, Yeah, good stuff. All right, I'll see you at Abogados Cafe next time. I think that's where I last saw you there in St. Paul. Get a, All right. Get a, get a cup of coffee. We'll see you there. Very All right. Good. Thanks, Thank Chief. you. Have a great day. Take care. Chief Butch Inks joining us here on CCO. Good stuff. 548, back in just a minute. Lots to find on the Drive Time with DeRussia podcast. So check that out. In our first hour, Chad Hartman and I got in a fight. So you're going to want to listen to that. Plus, we talked to Mary Moriarty. Breaking news, a new policy designed to take officers who have a troubled history on the stand whether they had evidence that got thrown out or their testimony was unreliable, whatever the case may be, a new effort. And I ask her, look, what do you say to the people who say you spend more time talking about what the cops are doing wrong than what the criminals are doing wrong? So that's good stuff. 
in the podcast as well. So check all that out. Lots of we had a lot of good stuff today. A lot of good. It was a good show. Chris Carr from the Star Tribune. Love Chris. Sports Chris awesome. editor at four. And and go find all that stuff. Listen back. It's great. But keep uh, your radios tuned to WCCO Radio because coming up in six minutes, at the top of the hour. Yes, is the first edition of Inside Twins, the Ooh. hot stove show. All right, uh, coming up here for twenty twenty four. And special guest today uh, is going to be Royce Lewis, who I still contend has never had a breakout season without talking to Drive Time with DeRussia in spring training. It's true. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Big sports night tonight. Uh, Timberwolves play at Target Center at 7. The new Women's Hockey League has their first match. On the in, road. On the road in Montreal, I think. I thought it was Boston, but I could be wrong. No, you're. I'm sure you're right. I, I, Are we excited about this? Should be. I think, it's a, I think it's a great opportunity. It's I, a great opportunity. I worry a little bit when there's no nickname for the team, but, you know. It's just Minnesota right now, yeah. right? Yeah. Is there a nickname and they're not telling us? This is the PWHL. WHL. National Women's Hockey League. There hasn't been a lot of hype about this, to be honest. You can forgive me for not knowing the name. Right. No, absolutely. Like, I'm a little surprised, but I do think, like. No, I, I, like I said. It, it, I feel like they botched it a bit. It, it just it a seems, nickname would be nice, a little more hype, a little you know. It, it, you know, like we were talking off air about the launch of the Aurora and how much energy and hype there was around oh, that. Yes, that's what this it, kind of thing should, have, especially in Minnesota of all places, right? So they got a tweet from the governor the last half hour, wishing them good luck. So hopefully there maybe there will be a nickname. I don't know. I, we're we'll rooting see. for it, right? It's a great opportunity for for so their know, home for women, is hockey players and, and absolutely Saturday. Right. Yep, at Excel. And then reports uh, just breaking this afternoon that we did it. We are going to get the 2026 World Junior Hockey Tournament. There we go. That'll be really exciting. Will it? The juniors, yeah. That's that's. Are people going to go watch like Switzerland and Germany at noon on a Tuesday? You will be surprised. All right. We better. Yes. Since this is our entire tourism effort as a state <laughs> is bringing in big events. So XL and Mariucci. So that should be fun. Uh, that's it. That's us for today. We'll do another show tomorrow, right? I mean, that's the plan. Unsure. Dan, Dan seems unconvinced. I'll be here at least. And uh, Inside Twins with Royce Lewis as the guest coming up. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.